0: Boys. Come on, boys.
1: The boys are back, and uh, I think this is going to be released on Memorial Day. So I hope everyone is enjoying some time out of the office or off their laptops. But I decided, you know what, it, it is about time that we got the busiest man in college football media. He works for CBS. He has his own college football podcast. If you have a favorite sports talk show that talks college football, he's probably made at least one appearance. He's the most fashionable guy covering college football. He's a world traveler. He probably has had to explain what a bathing ape is to at least a couple co-workers. And dare I say, with his third appearance on the show, can I call him a friend of the cast? The only big J we would ever talk to. Welcome back, Shahan. How's your spring been so far?
0: Wow, what an intro! Uh, it's been great. It's been great. Yeah, <laughs> I did kind of become the uh, the go to bathing ape reporter there for a second, didn't I? I that was that was something I, I got reached out to by bathing ape. They're like, "Can we use your photos on our Instagram?" And I'm like, "Do you need to ask for permission to post bathing ape on your own Instagram?" I, I guess if you want so. It's been, it's been quite a year, uh, you know, on that note, Brett Yormark has made the big covering the big 12, definitely a wild experience as well. So yeah, it's just, just enjoying this, this little bit of off season that we get now in college football, you know, like this one week essentially. And, uh, yeah, thanks so much for having me back on.
1: Yeah. You know, you're a favorite of Bosco's boys and all of our listeners, uh, on the bathing ape thing. Did you see the, uh, t-shirt they put out for the big 12 tournament? because that was a lot better than the one they did for the football game. Still, I can't bring myself to spend $125 on it, but I'd be lying to you if I I said I didn't at least think about it.
0: I didn't see the the conference championship one. So I saw, of course, the original one that was released around the time of the Big 12 tournament. Look at it. It's not my job to judge. It's not my job to do anything like that. I, I don't know if they sold a single shirt i how does this work do they like get judged on whether they move any product whatsoever because if there is a person out there who bought a bathing ape big 12 shirt like i i need to embed with you for like a week to figure out just how you make your life choices not i mean credit to you if you did i just that is that would be a wild thing from my perspective
1: to do so, so again, they, they can do whatever they want. They can say something is sold out when it's not. But uh, by the time I got home from the big 12 championship game, and then, uh, you know, I was working, got caught up on emails and all that type of stuff by Tuesday after the big 12 championship game, there was zero sizes in the black and only mediums in the white. Uh, and then the last time, and I think I checked, uh, you know, after the NCAA tournament, it was like maybe three XL in the black and maybe small in the white for the big 12 tournament <laughs> one, uh, which I, had all the I'm school's looking... logo wi- logos with the ape logo on the back and then yeah. the camo bi- uh, big 12 logo. And again, you know, they, they could just be kind of, you know, doing some marketing stuff, but at least, or maybe they only produce like three a size, but it's seemingly <laughs> being sold out there. And I'm with you. If I see one of those out in the wild, someone is going to, Uh, have a very excited, you know,
0: dude running up on him, wanting to talk to him. (laughs) I'm looking at the new design now. I agree. This is definitely a better look. I like the blacks, I would say uh, probably better right now on the website. It says they have small in the black and small and medium in the white. So, you know, if you're, if you're interested in spending $119 on a t-shirt that that's option is available to you. I like to imagine that we're just going to see Drome tanks hold family like turn up in the bathing ape. I, I think that that's probably where they all went. They made like six of them, and all of them are owned by the tank family i you know i,
1: I would love that I, I think he had two adoptive sons uh who who I think uh if I did some Instagram uh you know stalking correctly, one of them is really into the streetwear and some of that fashion high fashion type stuff. so uh you know that might be the case and and, and I'll just throw this out there uh, If bathing ape. I don't know why you guys would be listening, but if you're listening to this or Brett Yormark, if you're listening to this, slide in the DMs. I would love to accept one for free and plaster it all over <laughs> my social media. Um, but but let's get into it. Again, we're recording this uh, early afternoon on the 26th. So if any athletic departments try to sneak something funny in late on Friday before a holiday weekend, we're not talking about it. Uh, But the first thing I wanted to ask you, uh, because K-State became a trendy pick to, you know, be a Big 12 contender, even win the Big 12 last year. But if memory serves me correctly, you were on, you know, the cutting edge edge of that trend. You were one of the first national folks to do it. How validated did you feel when the confetti was falling on, you know, Will Howard, Chris Kleinman, Deuce Vaughn, and the K-State Wildcats?
0: Well, I'll tell you what, uh do you, ever, do you ever put out a hot take and then immediately get outflanked? Because I put that out. I'm like, you know what? I really think this is a team that might have a chance to do something special, maybe make the title game. And then Mandel went and picked them to win preseason. And I'm like, dude, now you're making me look like I'm not taking a chance here whenever I'm saying that Kansas State has a chance to win 10 games. So I felt pretty annoyed by that. But no, I mean, I, I definitely felt like I saw the vision, right? It felt like it was so close Uh, back when you look back to that 2021 season it felt like there was upside there I thought the Adrian Martinez thing was going to work which obviously it I think it did I did not I will say think that the Will Howard thing was going to work and it worked in a big way but you just saw what they brought back defensively you saw what they brought back in the trenches you saw what they they had obviously at running back not just with Deuce Vaughn but with some of those other guys there as well it did feel like this was a potential up season in a year where it didn't seem like a lot of teams were poised to have up seasons. And so I I think I definitely feel validated about that, but I I will give Kansas state credit. They were even better than I maybe thought that they could be. Well, I love it. Uh, Before we
1: talk about my favorite piece of off season content from CBS sports, we are sponsored by Manhattan brewing company folks. If you want the best beer in the state of Kansas, head to Manhattan, get it straight from the source. If you're not going to be in the happiest place in America, they're distributing all across the state now. So again, don't be an asshole, but if they don't have it, be firm, but be polite and tell them they need to be carrying four packs from Manhattan Brewing Company, Uh, You know, brewing up the Tang party, which is uh, just like it sounds a sour that kind of tastes a little bit like Tang. So Sean, if you're ever in uh, Manhattan, you might have to go down to points Avenue, tell them you're a friend of our show and they might hook you up for free. Uh, But let's talk about it. My favorite piece of off-season content, the CBS sports ranking all of the power five head coaches. Uh, You made an appearance on uh, Sir M Petro here in 810 and we're just some random podcast, not best friends. Uh, Just a random K-State podcast, but that's okay. Uh, So Chris Common made that big jump. You and I talked about, I I think about this time last year uh, where you said, hey, for him to get that sort of respect nationally, he has to have that big season. Well, he did 10 win season, uh, winning the big 12. Uh, So he made that big jump. He's sitting at 12. Where did you have him on your personal rankings?
0: Yeah. I'm glad that everybody else kind of saw what I felt like has been happening this whole time. Obviously they had been in that eight win range. You kind of, I think, discount the the COVID season at this point, it's clear that it was an outlier for them. Uh, I had him at number nine on my list. I actually had him a spot ahead of Ryan day, right in that Kyle Whittingham range. The only difference I think between Kleiman and Whittingham is that Whittingham's now done it multiple times. I think that that's a, a fair statement to say. And you know, look when I'm when I'm looking at the rest of the board, I think that well, let me take a step back. The way that I look at these coach rankings is certainly if you have won at the highest level, that's a trump card. I mean, Nick Saban, Kirby Smart, Dabo Swinney, they've won, they've won multiple conference championships, they've won playoff games, they've won national championships. You that's have Jimbo? Card. Does Jimbo have that same trump card? <laughs> what what year is it? Uh, but I think, that, <laughs> I think that I think that I think that you know, but. I do think that you weigh that with recency. Recency bias absolutely needs to play. And in my mind, if you were great in 2013, that doesn't mean that you're great in 2022. I think that does matter to me. Uh, The other part of this too that I kind of hold though is I want to judge what you are doing relative to your program. How are you elevating a program? Uh, What can I assign to you versus what can I assign to your program? You know, that was one of the big conversation points I had, uh, you know, where I probably have Ryan Day probably among the lowest on the board. To me, he is doing things in line with what Ohio State is, right? What they are at this point, the way that the sport is consolidated. Some people will disagree with me. They're probably, you know, I'll admit, you know, A lot of them have very good points and and they might be right on this, but that's just how I look at it. When I look at Chris Kleiman, I do definitely take into account what he did at North Dakota State. That matters to me. It's not the primary, but it does matter to me. Uh, And then you look at him coming here. The end of the Bill Snyder era was kind of stale. It's kind of uh, plateaued at a certain point. You know, you kind of felt like, okay, this is a nice seven win team. And I think that even in those early years, competing with Oklahoma, beating them in several years, uh, winning eight games, essentially every season, it felt like this is somebody who can elevate, win at a high level. But the question was, can he win at the highest conference level, right? Can he win a conference championship? Can he even make a conference championship game? He hadn't done that during his time uh, at Kansas State. And last year, he answered those questions. I, you know, I, So I think that for me, that puts him... Firmly in the top 15 group. Uh, 12 is is a very good spot for him. I think that that's just about right. I don't think it's very different tier wise to maybe where I have him. And, you know, especially once you get past, I I think that you look at the top six slash seven. I mean, it depends on whether you have Ryan Day in there. That's set to me That's I, I don't think anybody else can really get into that top group. But then again, you, you know, you are having this conversation with Kleiman versus the Whittinghams, the Sunny Dykes. I had Jonathan Smith up there too because of winning ten games last year at Oregon State. So I, I think that he's kind of in that second tier of coaches right now. Th- you know, second, third tier, depending on on whether you count the Nick Saban, Kirby Smart tier as its own tier. But uh, elite, elite coach. i mean really, I think that when you're talking about Kansas State coaches, he is the model for how things should should be heading forward.
1: Oh, sorry, my mic was uh, spazzing out there for a bit. We'll talk about Sonny Dykes here in a second, but there's one question I want to ask about Chris Kleinman, how he relates maybe to the full list. So not just yours, but you know all your CBS colleagues. Is there anything shy of going to the college football playoff that could uh, push uh, Chris Clayman higher than 12th? You know, if he goes back to back Big 12 championship this year. Uh, could he end up in, you know, the top 10, even if it means not making it to the college football playoff or, hey, is is 12 about the uh, glass ceiling until, uh, you know, there, there's a CFP mark on his Wikipedia page?
0: So one thing to to take into account with that is, of course, we're going to get to a 12 team world very soon. And that, I think, is going to help Kansas State as much as any program in college football and, and Chris Kleiman as much as any coach in college football. I think that, you know, so, so just looking at our list right now, right? 12, Chris Kleiman, 11, Sonny Dykes, 10, James Franklin, nine, Luke Fickle, eight, Ryan Day, seven, Kyle Whittingham. I think that there's a Whittingham path for him uh, to potentially be in that range. Whittingham had not won a conference championship until these last two years. And then he reeled off two in a row and now he's at number seven. Of course, it it applies that he had that success in the Mountain West before that, but he really rose into the top 10 based off of those. So if for example, Chris Kleiman, especially in a transition year was able to make it back to the big 12 title game or potentially win the big 12 again, I think he absolutely jumps ahead of a Sonny Dykes, a James Franklin, a Luke Fickle. I think he's absolutely a top 10 coach at that point. Again, to bring in that top six group, you're talking playoffs. Like you're talking, uh, you know, getting to the playoff. I think you're hopefully talking about winning a playoff game. We are, Again, when when we're looking at these coaches, you don't have to win like Nick Saban to to reach that t- top six group. Of course, you're, you know, re- it's reality, right? You're at Kansas state. You're not at Alabama, but I do think that we've seen what Bill Snyder did with this program, for example. And if he can be in that Bill Snyder range of, you know, being in a conference championship game of winning conference championships, of having uh, opportunities at times to be a top five team in the country, it doesn't have to be top one, certainly, That's the sort of way that you climb your way up. So, you know, we'll we'll obviously kind of have to wait and see what happens this upcoming season. If it's a, you know, seven, eight win type season, I think he's still going to be firmly in the top 15. If it's more than that, you know, he could potentially rise. Definitely.
1: Uh, So I I teased a little bit. Sonny Dykes, did you have him as uh, the top Big 12 coach or did you have Chris Kleiman or where, where did those two rank versus each other?
0: Yeah. So on our list at CBS Sports, like I mentioned, uh, it was 12, Chris Kleiman, 11, Sonny Dykes. I had Sonny Dykes 11 actually on my list and Chris Kleiman nine. So I had Chris Kleiman ranked as the top guy in the big 12 this upcoming year. Uh The reason that I did that was one, he has more of a track record at his program. Um, You know, we are talking about, what is it? Year four, year five for Chris Kleiman. So he has a track record of, of, I think, elevating that program over multiple years. Sonny Dykes, I mean, again, I, I don't remember where he he started last year. I guess I have the list in front of me, but, you know, he had a huge, huge jump. It was 24 spots. He was 35 last year. Now he's 11. I, I think that's very well deserved off of one season, but it is one season. You do certainly similarly give Sonny Dykes credit for what he did at SMU. It was incredible. You give him credit for what he did at Louisiana Tech. It's very underrated. Uh, and I think that the, you know, certainly the Cal thing factors into things. I'm kind of just willing to to say that Cal is a mess of an athletic department and maybe we can just ignore that, but it, it matters, right? It matters. He's failed at a place, I guess you could say. So for me, I had Chris Kleiman just because of that track record slightly ahead, but very much the same tier. I do not begrudge anybody who has Sunny Dykes ahead of Chris Kleiman. To me, at this moment, they are the two leaders in the clubhouse. Certainly there are others like a Mike Gundy, like a Dave Veranda, who will get into the conversation. But, uh, you know, I I think that those two are pretty firmly number one and number two, regardless what order you put them in. Yeah,
1: you you touched on something I, I wanted to ask about
0: Sonny Dykes, because I'm a big
1: believer kind of in the metaphor of you are what's on the back of your baseball card. Uh, And with coaches, you are kind of, you know, your record and where you finish in conference at Louisiana tech, very respectable. His average finish was third place. As he talked about Cal disaster fifth in his division SMU, while, you know, you have to take into account where SMU was when he showed up, but it still was just an average of fifth in the AAC. So did he find like a little bit of magic dust or has he just spent his entire career playing at such a talent deficit Uh, that, hey, once he has comparable talent, uh, you know, on the field versus his opponents, uh, this is the level he can
0: be at. Yeah, I think it's interesting, right? Because I certainly probably had somewhat of an implicit bias against him when he was hired at SMU even. And then certainly, you know, when he was being talked about at TCU. But one thing that I'd ask people is to go back and look, for example, Louisiana Tech, hadn't won nine games in years, right? Since 1997, before he went and did it in 2012, it it had been 15 years. Uh, When you look at SMU, they hadn't won 10 games since 1983 when he took over that program. And then they did it back in 2019. So we're talking about a coach who to me has always elevated his programs. Now, We've never seen him reach the top level because I think, you know, it was three years at Louisiana Tech and then he left immediately. Uh, But and then certainly Skip Holes kind of took it to the next level even after that. But I think that even a lot of that work can go uh, can be credit to Sonny Dykes as well. SMU kind of similar deal. He was there for five years. They reached that eight, nine, 10 win uh, threshold, I think. and But they never reached that top level. They never won a conference championship. That's something that I expect Rhett Lashley to have a chance to do. But again, big part of that was because of the work that Sonny Dykes did. So I think that, you know, when we look at this 2022 TCU team, a lot of factors. One, they had familiarity with the roster because they had played against each other for multiple years. SMU and TCU, of course, are rivals. He was actually in the program as an analyst in 2017. So he had some familiarity with how the program worked. I think that helps. Uh it was a talent culmination year in 2022, where you had a senior Steve Avila, where you had a junior Quentin Johnston, a senior Max Duggan. You know, you had a bunch of pieces kind of uh just fitting together at the right time. I think he hired a great staff. I think he's also just in himself a great coach and and brings in a great identity. So a lot of factors, I, I mean, obviously I'm rambling a little bit, but a lot of factors I think with Sonny Dykes potentially having this opportunity, but he has been a coach that everywhere that he's been, and I think you can even count some of the Jared Goff stuff at Cal, he's elevated that program. And so I think that, I, I think that because he's been an elevator and not a high-end winner, he kind of gets undervalued in that way. Now, obviously, he's at a place where in this conference, I think he should be expected to win. So that's uh, when we look at 2023 and 2024, I think that from his ranking perspective, he I think is in a much more precarious place than maybe Chris Kleinman, because this is kind of the start of his story. Definitely. Let's move on to the guy you and I probably disagree uh, most about.
1: And I, I definitely disagree with Tom Fernelli, who made the write up, but Matt Campbell fell from 12 to 35. Uh, why should folks be higher on Matt Campbell? Because he he because th- this is where you and Tom are. Uh, his one banner season came during COVID, which you know when talking about climbing, he said, "Oh well, COVID's the outlier." Well, that's the outlier with Matt Campbell, and uh, you know what? He had a slew of NFL draft picks hit the Vegas under back to back years. You know, he was only one game over 500 after that banner season. Last place in the Big 12 last year with having three draft picks, including the school's second first rounder and the first one since the Nixon administration. Uh, And I think I know where you're going to go uh, with this, you know, elevating where Iowa State historically is. But, uh, you know, I I always have fun kind of poking, you know, the national narrative around around Matt Campbell, and you're right there in that national narrative. So uh,
0: tell me why I'm wrong again for the second straight season. Well, so back in two thousand and four and two thousand and five, uh Iowa State had back to back five hundred plus seasons, two in a row. That was the most that they had had in the twenty first century and then my, Matt Campbell came along right and then it's eight and five, eight and five seven and six, nine and three, which it was during the covid season. I think there were some asterisks there, but nine wins. Seven and six, which was a legitimately disappointing year. Like it's it's hilarious the fact that we can be disappointed at seven and six at Iowa State. I think that a big part of this is where I view Iowa State as a program. So don't worry, don't worry, Kansas State fans. I'll get in my my jabs as well. Like I think Iowa State is a bottom five. Uh, program in, in the power five. I think this is one of the hardest places to win. They've got nothing obvious going for them outside of, you know, having, having a really good fan base, I think, but that's not how you win at this level. I don't think they have any clear recruiting terrains. They are the little brother in their state from a football perspective. Like there there's no obvious reason that Iowa state should be competitive in any way. And when you look at what Matt Campbell's done, they have been consistently good every single year. Except for, I think, and even last year, I think that you can make the argument that while they went four and eight, it's not like they were a bad team. They lost six of their eight games by less than one score. So, like, this is about the existential when it comes to Matt Campbell. Like I talked about with Chris Kleiman, he won eight games a couple of times and proved that he can be that sort of steadying force. Well, Matt Campbell kind of did a version of that as well at Iowa State for multiple years. And and last year, because people are like, last year was the disappointing year. That's obviously what Tom Fornelli wrote. I, I actually think that two years ago was a disappointing year, and last year was just a transition year. So, like, 4-8 didn't bother me whatsoever, uh, to, to be frank, just because of what they lost. And so, certainly, again, he, he, to me, is on a precipice. I had him at number 16 on my list, so he wasn't uh, in actually a spot behind Mike Gundy on my list. So, it, it's not like he was a home run. It's not that he was, Oh my gosh, is a top five coach in the country or anything like that. But I think that he has made a similar type of case to Chris Kleiman in, in recent years. Now, we'll kind of have to see if he can do it again. As this generation graduates out again, they just had a first round NFL draft pick in 2021. They had all these fourth and fifth year seniors who, who I think should have elevated the program more than they probably did. There are questions to be had about his actual sort of in game stuff, I think, but these are the conversations that we can have because Iowa State is so consistently good, right? These, these are, these are high dollar problems. Whereas for, 20, 30, 40, 50, 100 years, we were talking about, so, how, you know, like, the idea that we'd be talking about, like, late game control stuff at Iowa State, I, I think is a testament to what Matt Campbell has done there, and I don't like the idea of, of suddenly holding a guy to his own expectations and saying he's not exceeding his own expectations when maybe... You know, big picture over the course of six or seven years, you're talking about somebody who's changed things tremendously. You think
1: uh, a year or two from now, or three years, or maybe we won't if he is as good as you think, but I think he almost kind of has that David Shaw disease where, you know, he's being mentioned with NFL programs, with, right. you know, not quite blue bloods, but blue blood almost adjacent type stuff, or in at a minimum, big upgrades from Iowa State uh, as a program. He doesn't take it, you know, it's become a meme, at least amongst my corner of Twitter that likes to make Iowa State fans mad uh, jokes about him not having an agent and all this type of stuff. Uh, So do you think that if his ultimate goal was to be at a quote unquote better or bigger job than Iowa State, then hey, he's he's maybe lost the boat. And then, hell, if I was, it's his dream job, then hey, everything's fine. They're going to build a statue for him, even if he is five and seven, rest of his career. But uh, do you think
0: he kind of ran into that David Shaw uh, disease? Yeah, it's an interesting question. And one thing that I'll say about Matt Camp. And this is actually a very similar thing to Chris Kleiman, is remember where these guys came from, right? Matt Campbell comes from the Mount Union system. He, you know, where he grew up and and he obviously saw a place continue to build, continue to transform themselves, win at a high level. And it wasn't about the, you know, let's move Mount Union to Power Five. Let's let's move Mount Union to the FBS, right? It was never about that. It was here's where we are. Let's make something outstanding right here. And I think you can point similarly to Chris Kleiman at North Dakota state. And I don't think he would have left for a job that didn't give him the ability to do the same thing. So I do think that that's part of the calculus of Matt Campbell. He's had opportunities to leave. Like you said, you know, in terms of him being able to to get another job, I, I think that the opportunity will be there for him to reset. If, if you know what I mean, like, you know, a, a big 12 coach we have coming in this year is Scott Satterfield at Cincinnati. He kind of took a lateral move to start over in some ways. I think that'll be available to him. I think that he could get a mid tier, uh big 10 job or something like that, or maybe a mid to lower tier, uh, even other big 12 job potentially if he wanted to, and kind of reset that clock in in terms of being talked about for being the Detroit lions head coach for being the Nebraska head coach, things like that. That's probably gone at this point, but You know, I I think that we've seen that he can build at a high level. I do think that at some point, like close game luck goes the other direction as well. There's going to be a year where they're probably worse than they were in 2021 and have a better record. So, you know, I I think that there potentially is the opportunity for an up. Uh, I I don't think that his chances of of getting that opportunity are over. I mean, we, we do have to remember how young this dude is still too, right? He's in his early 40s at this point. So he'll have other opportunities, I think. But, you know, it's probably, like you said, going to take a year or two or three for that to happen.
1: Another guy who uh, might have been mentioned with the Nebraska job, but inked himself a pretty good contract here in the state of Kansas, Lance Leipold. I don't have anything snarky to say. I think he's a good coach. I think him being ranked at 23, uh, maybe a bit high, but I I think that's, I think for what he did, uh, and I've seen just about as close as anyone who isn't a KU fan, how futile, you know, the decade plus has been post Mark Mangino. So I don't have any jokes, but my question to you, because I'm addicted to podcasts and sports talk radio. I live, you know, on the Kansas side of the Kansas city Metro. I have friends and family who are KU football fans. And every time I hear them talk about this upcoming football season, uh, I get the vibe or they sometimes just come out and say it, that six and six would be a disappointment for them. I, I went through the exercise for all the big 12 overs and unders Uh, when it first came out. And I had KU ending up with five total wins. And I think that that would still be pretty miraculous, you know, six and seven and then five and seven uh, versus what it was for a decade plus for them. I I think that would be great, but I'm getting the vibe that they don't think that. So uh, in your opinion, what is that bar that KU and Lance Leipold need to clear uh, that they should say, hey, this was a successful season?
0: No, and and I think that, you know, this is the thing about, uh, I guess you could say new money, right? Is that they don't know what success is. They don't know what consistency is because they haven't seen it. I actually, one thing that's funny, I've had this conversation with some other people, you know, as a, as somebody went to Baylor, like Baylor had their extreme highs and then it's been coaching turnover, right? So they have their 11 and 10 win seasons, then like the scandal, then they have this 11 win season under Matt Rule. And then COVID and Dave Aranda comes and they have this 11 win season and last year was just like fine and this is the first season in over a decade where they've just been fine it's been horrible or wonderful every other time between that so I think you're right I, I think that when you look at Kansas last year a lot of stuff had to go right for them to get that six I think that if you were to talk about their team quality they probably were more like a four and a half and just like managed to get to six that's not a knock on how good this team was last year um I think that this year might be kind of the opposite where there may be a six and a half type of win quality team and it ends up being five because you look at that schedule right now it's pretty difficult you know they get Illinois at home Illinois I think is going to be a really tough team for them in non-conference uh you know they go to Texas they go to Oklahoma State they get Oklahoma at Iowa State and then of course the Kansas State game so like And by the way, Texas Tech too, another game that they're going to be playing at home, but that's going to be a pretty difficult game. The way that I try to look at this, especially with these teams that are kind of maybe stuck in the middle to lower middle, is to say how many surefire wins are we talking? And Missouri State and Nevada should be surefire wins. I think that they will be heavy favorites against BYU, just with the way things are looking right now. And, you know, then it's like at Cincinnati, but that's a road game in the last week of the year. It just... It's tough. They're going to be playing a lot of 50-50 coin flip games, I think. And a lot of those games went their way last season. And it usually reverts the next season whenever that happens. So I think that getting to five would be great. I think that winning, especially if they lose that Illinois game, if they win three Big 12 games again, I mean, that that's that's what it's all about, right? Continue to win Big 12 games, continue to be competitive. You'll be well out of the, the cellar in the Big 12, I think. So if they got to five, I'd feel really good about that if, if they do get past six, I mean, yeah, like, like Lance Leipold, you might need to to contend for this top 10 right now. Like it's going to be special. I think let's not, let's not do that. Yeah. All right. We don't have to go there. I I had him 27 on my list for the record because you do have the small college success, which matters to me. Buffalo. I think he was just astonishingly good. He he was good for multiple years and then uh, obviously flipping this thing so quickly, but you know, again, it's one thing to take a team from horrific to solid. And now it's like, obviously to get into that top group, we, we got to see if you can take it even further than that. Definitely. I, I, I can't remember if it was, the, I, I
1: think it was the athletic, not CBS, but the athletic had uh lie uh, pulled in front of Chris Kleiman last year. And I made a very snarky tweet. I was like, you know, they, they have pulled in front of Kleiman. And he's going to be at KU for four years before he gets fired, never go to a bowl game, and never beat K-State. And I was, uh, I, I was in the parking lot. I can't remember which K-State game it was. I was tailgating, and sure enough, KU beat Oklahoma State. And I tell you what, I've never had my phone blow up as much as it did. <laughs> I, I have a friend who has – a uh, KU podcast and he, he retweeted it and my brother got his shots in as well. So uh, I, I I think Lance Leipold uh, is a great coach and I, I you know, I kind of wish he would have left, but I, I'm happy for my friends and family who are KU football fans. Uh, let's do some just real quick uh, conference talk uh, because, you know, you're a big 12 guy. I think you're one of the rare guys who uh, in the national media escape, uh, you know, has roots and, you know, isn't going to, uh, you know, try to kill off the big 12 if given the chance. So I, I have a question for you, and this kind of stems from the ACC university meetings. Uh, why is it that none of the national outlets, uh, even the AP football podcast, this is me saying this, not you, this is Scott McFarland, not Shahan. Uh, they they go on their podcast, the AP top 25 podcast and say, Oh, the, the ACC is in a better financial position per school than the Big 12. The ACC commissioner says the same thing when that hasn't been the case for close to a decade at this point. And I know they have Clemson who's won national titles recently and the the legacy of Florida State and Miami. But But why is it that, you know, especially when it comes to the revenue point of view, for the last 10 years, that talking point's out there when it's just factually wrong
0: and no one seems to kind of call that narrative out. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's interesting, right? I think that people who do the the big picture stuff, I, I think a lot of the time they lean on things that they know and what they know is Clemson winning two titles. What they know is Florida state winning back in 2013 and Miami having their run. And, and so the thing is, right. I think that when we look at the the state of these three uh sort of I guess the mid-five the mid-three, I guess you could say, just uh beyond the the sort of two at the top. I think they're all going to be judging themselves differently in terms of what success is. So for example, I think that, you know, they're trying to manipulate, like you mentioned, uh for the North Carolina, for the the Florida state to be able to elevate themselves into that SEC group potentially, right? So I I think it's just complicated for people to see a a conference like the big 12, try to do something that kind of goes counter to how we've looked at college football before, because they're not trying to just elevate their brands because they don't really have a brand the same way. But what they're able to bet on in a different way is we have balance. We're going to have top to bottom high level competition. We're going to have top to bottom television draw. We're going to have top to bottom competitive basketball. We're going to be able to win at the highest level in that. But, you know, again, it's, it's, we've judged conferences for so long through the lens of national championships and winning at the highest level that I think that a lot of more legacy people, especially are maybe a little less prepared To deal with the idea that maybe in these three conferences, maybe nobody will win titles anymore. And maybe that's not how we should judge uh, the way that we're looking at these three conferences heading forward. So there's going to be a lot. I mean, 2024 is D-Day in college football because we're going to have... USC and UCLA moving. We're going to have and Oklahoma moving. It's the big 10 contract is going to start up the, the real separation in terms of finances is going to start in earnest in 2024. And then we'll also have the expanded playoffs. So it is a total brave new world starting in 2024. And you know, one thing, actually, I, I, uh, got to actually speak to some, some big 12 communications people at, at different schools earlier this week. And one thing I was asked, and I think it is a totally fair question and and one that I want to address head on, is, you know, are you being dictated what your opinions are on this, right? Like, is CBS telling me how I should feel about this? Is ESPN telling their reporters how they should feel about this, right? And the answer is no. That's not how it works. I, like you said, grew up in Texas. I have been around the Big 12. Certainly, I'm influenced by knowing people in the big 12 who can tell me what they think maybe in a different way than, you know, I I don't know people in the big 10 to the same extent, for example, but you know, we all are kind of looking at this, trying to make sense of this. And for me, I see something that I feel is pretty stable that has potentially upside value in the big 12, but you know, other people are looking at it as, well, this is a conference. That's never going to win a, a football national championship ever again, which might be the case. So it's different views on the matter. It's it's different perspectives. Certainly again, for people who have been in the sport for a long time, the way that you judge programs in 1993 is different than the way that you judge them in 2023. And, and sometimes you have to find a balance to those things.
1: Uh, so what does the future of the ACC look
0: like? You know, the grant of rights seemingly
1: is ironclad uh, and they have another 12 to 13 years on that TV deal. Um, allegedly they've, you know, agreed to unequal revenue distribution, uh, for at least a couple years, if not the remainder of that contract. So on a scale one to 10, one being, you know, you and your boys on a golf trip and 10 being Britney Spears, how toxic is the ACC going to get over the next few years?
0: <laughs> well, I will mention, uh, Florida state was probably one of the loudest programs when it came to talking about this stuff in 2021 they wouldn't have gotten extra payout pit would have gotten extra payout right like we also that that's i think going to be something that's going to be uh, an interesting dynamic to i want wake forest actually...
1: getting more money than miami
0: i <laughs> i, I, I want to see how happened. long that that would happen i know right. i and want so, that uh, yeah, I, as, as someone yeah.
1: viewing from the outside i want <laughs> miami I, I hope my right. friends you know uh, you know from west virginia you don't listen to this i want pit you know to do this <laughs> type of stuff i want I want it to be a trashy Bravo TV show for the next 13 years. That's what I want from the ACC. I want, you know, Britney Spears toxic being played in lieu of the national anthem for every ACC football game for the next decade.
0: So uh, here's what I'll say, right? So when you look at the ACC, they have a television contract and grant of rights that takes them through 2036 and seven schools allegedly went and looked at it to see if they could get out of it. And the answer was essentially no. No, we even saw right now in the big 12, it took three years for uh, Texas and Oklahoma, two of the most powerful and richest brands in all of college football to find their way out of the big 12, right? They had to sit here for three years, including this 2023 season. So, and, and you know, just with all due respect to, to the ACC brands, right? Texas and Oklahoma are on a different level of being pursued than those brands are even, you know, Florida state and Clemson, they're great brands, but they're not like that. So, Chances are they're, you know, they're kind of stuck together until 2035, at least probably. And uh, so I do think that that does change things. A a factor that we have to address is the new playoff is, is the 12 team playoff. Because for example, like I said, I don't know if the big 12 is ever going to win a national championship again, as it's currently structured. I don't know if it really matters for the future of the big 12. If they do that, they're going to be in the playoff every year. We've gone back through even the last many years and, multiple teams would have made a 12 team playoff in the Big 12 in previous years. Obviously, in uh this year, Kansas State would have been a top 4 seed in the I would college. would have had the play.
1: biggest meltdown in the history of the world if that was the case and Utah got that bye over K-State, <laughs> <And> then K-State <laughs> then had to go on the road for for round 1. I I would have had I, I'm not kidding. I've had some <laughs> epic meltdowns uh ranging from MLS to US soccer to Chelsea to the Royals to the Chiefs 2k state if if the committee would have done that in that new format i would have probably just deleted twitter off of my phone i would have been because <laughs> i think utah is good i think k-state would have kicked utah's butt on a uh neutral field or even up in salt lake city so if that would have happened i would have melted down so honestly i'm really glad it wasn't the case even though we did kind of <laughs> You know, get it handed to us uh, down New Orleans by Alabama, but I, <laughs> I, I would, I would have been un,
0: I, I, I don't know what I would have done with myself. <laughs> well, all that to say, uh, obviously Kansas State would have been in the field if uh, if this happened, and they would have been in the field multiple other times, right? They would have been back in 2014. They would have been the 11 seed, for example. So, I, I think that uh, that is a huge factor. It's going to give every team more access to actually making the field. I think that actually, uh, you know, for the for the tier two and tier three programs in in the power five, this is a godsend. And I think that the Big 12 has a lot of those programs. The ACC, I think, has a lot of those programs as well. And so they're the ACC is going to be in the field. They're going to have a chance to compete. They're going to have a chance to win. Um, again, 2024, nobody really knows what it's going to be like past that. I think that maybe that's something that can help recruiting dynamics, for example, maybe that's something that can help financial dynamics. Um, you know, so it, they are in an interesting position. I don't think that they're going anywhere for the next decade, at least. I I think that ultimately, you know, the the financial incentives that have been created, I think are probably about as far as it's going to go. I don't think it's going to go a whole lot further than that. And, uh, you know, ultimately, I do think that with this expanded playoff, there's going to be a lot of talk from Florida State, especially about how things are, how things should be. You're going to have an opportunity to win your way in now. I mean, that's the reality. You're going to be in the field. You're going to have a chance. You're going to have a chance to win the ACC. Uh, you know, obviously, this upcoming season, I think that Florida State should be considered a top 10 team in the country coming into the year. So now it's kind of put up or shut up time for for some of these ACC schools, because you know, obviously the dynamics around them are going to be complicated. Obviously the SEC is going to be functioning on a different level, but you kind of do have an ability to play yourself out of the poverty that you're in. All right. Uh, quick one on uh, the Pac, uh, pack 10,
1: pack 12, 16, whatever they're going to end up being. Then we'll end with four quick hitters because I've kept you longer than I, I planned on. Uh, so thank you for so much of your time, but just real quick, after UCLA and USC exit, who, uh, if anyone, leaves the Pac-12 next, and who, if anyone, comes into the Pac-10, Pac-12, uh, you know, in the time frame of 2024, 20, 2025, to be playing
0: behind uh, Lois and Superman on the CW? <laughs> hey, man, you never know. It could be uh, It could be the Spike Network. It could be anything. The Spike doesn't exist anymore, does it? Man, no. That was, I, I, that
1: I, was a channel. Is that like Paramount? Like, they tried to get professional, now it's just Paramount?
0: no 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 because paramount's us uh, paramount okay okay yes okay yeah
1: what was spike what did spike turn into then did it become because paramount Sports used to be something else yeah uh, i don't yeah. remember what channel it was, but spike used
0: to be a thing i don't know <laughs> i think, it was, I think yes. it was nbc affiliated i think it was nbc affiliated and now it might be an nbc sports type thing i don't even know well, nbc sports but, died
1: so that's not even
0: a yes thing that's right I don't know. I can't. I can't keep track, man. And I'm not scrolling through my television <laughs> at this point. I, I have YouTube TV, but it's uh, i it, All to say, um, you know. So I think that the surest bet right now in the Pac-12 is that San Diego State is going to come at some point. It is just a no-brainer in terms of obviously what they've accomplished on the football field, on the basketball court, making Final Four this year. Uh, but I think the bigger reason that they just they have to make it happen is that they do not want to leave the Southern California footprint. That would be an existential issue, I think, for the PAC-12 to not be present in that footprint. And, you know, look, the two LA schools are gone now. So, like, you're not going to be in the city of Los Angeles, but San Diego State still gives you some claim to that region. And I I think that that is an absolute must- you know, we've we've heard talk that the Big 12 might go, I, I don't know. I, I don't know at this point. I don't necessarily know whether that's attractive for them. I also think that for San Diego State, the ability to come in and be a part of the Pac-12 is probably an attractive proposition. One dynamic that can't be ignored because this is the Pac-12 is the fact that San Diego State is part of the CSU system and not the vaunted CU system or, or UC system. And, uh, you know, that stuff does matter to them. They're going to have to get over it because, uh, you know, you got to just get over it, man. You just got to. So I do think that um, that San Diego State is a very likely candidate to join the Pac-12 in the near future. I think it might just be uh, San Diego State. I don't think that SMU long term is going to end up being a good candidate for them. As somebody who spent two weeks ago at SMU's graduation, because my sister went there, like it's a great school. I actually think that they have such competitive upside. And I I think that in this world where we're in a 12 team with six conference champions making it, I think SMU is going to be a team that's there every year. But what they're not going to generate is eyeballs. They they are a non-factor in the Metroplex as somebody who lives here. And so I I just don't see them being a potential grab for the Pac-12. In terms of teams leaving, this is just going to come down to whether the Big Ten decides that they want Oregon and Washington. If that happens it's all blowing up. I think then the four corners think about leaving all this sort of stuff. If not, I I think that it's just going to be a little bit of a cold war where everybody sticks around because while there is sentiment, especially at uh, Arizona and at Colorado for them to potentially leave for the big 12, it's not strong enough to make that step to take that step, especially if Oregon and Washington will stick around. And as somebody who, obviously is uh you know has a big 12 background but loves national college football. I, I think it's probably a good thing for that conference to stick together and to have a strong West Coast college football conference at least relatively speaking. And so that's where I would see it going by tomorrow that could change, but I do think that we're probably looking at the the teams that are still there plus San Diego State potentially joining.
1: I'll have to ask that the next time you come on. And since you are a friend of the cast, uh, you have to come on whenever I ask you, which to your credit, you always have, and you you always uh, have time. So uh, final four-pack of questions brought to you by Manhattan Brewing Company, Uh, the four-pack for tailgate season. I'm telling you this right now, Towny Wheat, their Pilsner Tang Party, and their Conservation Kolsch benefiting the Manhattan Zoo. Of the, and that's me, I'm trying to make that happen. That's not a thing. I'm trying to make that, you know, I'm trying, you know, they're sponsoring. I'm trying to give them ideas. We'll see if they take me up on it here in a couple months. Um, Of the four newcomers to the Big 12, who will be in a Big 12 championship game first? And 10 years from now, who will be seen as being the best football
0: program? So I think the team that's most poised to make it to a Big 12 title game right now is UCF just because I think from a roster perspective, they are further along. Uh, The the depth of talent, you look at them in the 247 talent composite, they're right there in the mid-30s, which is crazy for a team coming from the AAC. And the other part of this too is that they're the only team, especially when you look at 2023, that has a returning quarterback. So I think that they're most poised to compete right away. I don't expect them to get close this year, but they're the team that has the upside to maybe shock the world and do it. Uh, When you're talking about a team 10 years down the road, it's a difficult question for sure. I think that Houston is the team that's going to benefit the most from this move. Uh, uh, You know, when you look at the other three, they all did something that they should do. They joined this conference, but they are outliers in a way, right? One is in Florida. One is in Ohio. One is in Utah. I, I think they're all going to be happy members. I think it's going to work out for all of them. But Houston belonged in this conference from the start, right? I mean, they were left out whenever the conference was formed after the dissolution of the Southwest conference, they have invested over the last 10 years at a power five level to make this happen. And, I don't know if Dana Holgerson will be the guy who gets them there, but I do think that they're going to have a great ability to recruit the city of Houston to compete with Baylor TCU and Texas tech for recruits as well. Uh, Now that they're on the same level, I think it has a chance for some really big upside. And so I think that Houston is probably the team in 10 years. That's looking the best. Definitely a staple question. We ask in kind of our uh, silly season. Uh, I don't know if I've ever asked
1: you this. So if I have uh, feel free to, uh, Hit me down with the iron fist of rage. But do you have a go-to karaoke song? And if you don't, if you
0: had to sing in front of a big group of people, what song would you choose? I don't think you've asked me this one, but I don't know, man. I say so many words, I forget all of them. So I, I am a sucker for, uh, for like big, like, uh, dramatic type songs. Like I am, I, I'm blanking on the word right now. Uh, the like. Just ballads, um, epic ballads. That's what I'm looking okay. for that. I was looking for that word. I say so many words and I can't remember basic ones, but so I, I'm a sucker for ballads. I'm trying to think, what would I, I haven't been to karaoke in a hot minute, but you know, I mean, I, I'll do i uh, I'll do like a Beatles ballad, right. I'll do a Hey Jude or something like that. It's a, it, it's always fun to get the crowd involved when you do something like that. That's a good one. We've never, I I've asked this, to probably
1: close to 50 different guests at this point. Chris Kleiman refused to answer, by the way. He did <laughs> not answer. I'm scared of Chris Kleiman. We 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 had him in his at the veneer complex, me and at my time co-host Grant, uh, you know, in, in a conference room up there, and he scares the living shit out of me. He does not want any nonsense, he just wants to do football. He is a football guy, he did not want to be <laughs> at answering our goofy questions. Uh, so he scares me. He did not answer that one. Um, all right. Uh, which college football venue have you never seen a game in that you would most like to?
0: So, uh, certainly I have to put Kansas state on that list because I actually have not been to the big 12 schools out of I, Texas and Oklahoma. I tell you what, uh,
1: either tell me when you come up and I'll make sure you get the Manhattan experience or don't because you think all right he's just a weirdo with a podcast uh but you know mutual friend parker and i have hung out multiple times i've shown him around kansas city but if you end up in manhattan let me know uh and i'll i'll show you all the best spots so if you make it up there let me
0: know or don't and just let me find <laughs> out on twitter no 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 i i definitely will and i need to, i need to make a trip up there actually one of my one of my good friends actually is the the Kansas beat writer for the Star, Shreya Lada, he actually uh, he's a friend of mine, and so he, he so I'm definitely gonna have he's to go. Le- up. To he's b- like a year in or less than a year in at that job. Yeah, right?
1: he's he's new. Yes, he is. So well, I, uh, I might I might have to get him on and uh, get get some definitely. stories about
0: you and talk some more. Li- Lance Leipold. Oh dear, and... oh dear. I don't know about that. I'm not I'm not gonna use his number then. <laughs> no, he he's great. So I I need to come up to Casey even just to visit him. I've actually also never been to the Big Twelve basketball tournament. That was something I wanted to try to do last year and I just got busy man I just got busy so hopefully next year I'll just I'll because I don't do basketball anymore and so I don't get a I don't have a real excuse but I might just go for fun next year uh anyway this is all beside the point I do want to come visit Kansas City and Kansas um you know so I haven't been to the big 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 10 stadiums right like I've never gotten to do Ohio State or Michigan and or, or Beaver Stadium for Penn State as well so I think I'd like to do probably the big house is probably the one out of that group. I, I mean, when you're talking 107,000 people standing in the worst weather that you've ever seen for to to watch a team run halfback dive 18 night. times, <laughs> yeah, and refuse to play at night. Like, but but that seems like just an amazing experience, and I've heard great things about Ann Arbor, so. That would probably be up there. I, I I also have to throw out the Rose Bowl. I, I would love to see the Rose Bowl. But, but the, I, I would assume the actual
1: Rose Bowl, not a UCLA versus Northwestern. That, that is game. correct.
0: <laughs> no, no. I I understand. Yes, I, I named a bunch of Big Ten teams there when I was naming a place to go. But no, the real Rose Bowl. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And the final one, if
1: you had to drive from the capital of Maine, Augusta, Maine, to San Diego to see a San Diego State, you know, just from Augusta, Maine to San Diego
0: with a current coach from the Big 12, who would you choose to road trip with? Oh man, it's it's a no brainer. I could talk to Dave Aranda about anything all day long. Like he, I will say, I will say, like you have to have the personality that like goes with that, right? Because he's not he's not gonna be like fun. He's, he's not gonna be like, you're not gonna like be singing along to jams in the car. But like, but you'll know you'll more about up,
1: football than anything,
0: you know, by the time you even make it anything. out of Maine, that dude, he, oh, he's so smart. He's so <laughs> great. I, I got to do, uh, you know, back when I was at Dave Campbell's, I got to do like, you know, the yearly sit down interview with him. And we, we spoke for an hour. I was only allotted, I think 20 minutes and they just didn't tell me to leave. And, uh, and we, we probably spent like eight minutes talking about the football team and then like he told me that did you know this is actually a fun fact uh he so whenever coaches go and they're grad assistants at places right they usually do some sort of like bullshit degree they're like oh you know i'm gonna get a physiology degree not not that it's a bullshit degree but that what they're doing it for is obviously just yeah, like Let or me like classes. an MBA,
1: you know night class type thing
0: yeah yeah do, do you know what dave Miranda got his master's in no but now i really want to know <laughs> Dave Aranda, while grad assisting at Texas Tech University under Mike Leach, got a philosophy master's. And (laughs) and and this is this is true. He told me this during his interview. He decided he applied to seminary. He was thinking about becoming a priest. He decided not to because he thought it would be a better career decision to go be linebacker's coach at Houston instead. (laughs) (laughs) So it's like he is the only person on the planet. (laughs) Who decided to become a football coach because it might have been a better career like life decision for him. And he would make more money if he just decided to go do that. So he is the most fascinating human. We were we were at a bookstore the other day and we passed by The Velveteen Rabbit, which is like one of Dave Aranda's favorite books for some reason. Like he is just, he is just Man, he is something else. And I know that he would, every time we passed by something, he'd point something out and talk about like how some Buddhist philosopher like had this man, look at that. See that type of tree over there? Like, you know, the Lao Tzu said about, you know, it's just that's just like the kind of thing that he'd say. If, If you want more of like a Rager type coach, which I think I'd want that for like, Maine to boston and that might be done with that like obviously dana holgerson would just be a ton of fun to just like get but like i i, th- I think that that's more of like if you had a three-hour road trip than if you had a 36-hour a road trip i think that might be a lot
1: no, I, I I think I would uh, I, I would have to first have the sugar free Red Bull instead of the full thing with Dana. <laughs> Although he might be a sugar free Red, Bull. I I can't remember, but he had some wacky Didn't he, story about I think about that when Red he was Bull.
0: at West Virginia late in his career, he like got an endorsement deal with Monster and switched oh, to that oh, but but I think he switched back now that he's at okay. Houston. All right, well well you know <laughs> I, I I'm not a massive energy
1: drink guy, but on road no, trips, not me and my buddies, it, it's like all right, you know, we, we all have to get a sugar-free Red Bull. That's kind of like, all right, that's just kind of our tradition. Uh, but I, I think we now need to get Dave Aranda and, well, they, they crossed over. They definitely crossed over and Jerome Tang, you know, to do a podcast yeah. together because Jerome Tang was a minister. Uh, yes. So he And he did a bunch of ministry. So I, I think I would love to be a fly
0: on the wall of those two
1: having a conversation.
0: Oh, yeah. That would be a ton of fun. You know, of course, Jerome Tang was at Baylor when I was there, so I know him a little bit. I will say, though, I had no idea that he was Indo-Caribbean until, like, a month ago. I did not know that. And his background, like, everything, you know,
1: kind of like the the checkoffs, like, okay, you know, he was the first... Uh, you know, blackhead coach, but at at K-State for basketball, which I think was one of the last sports that we haven't, you know, great trailblazer history. But then he talked about, you know, you know, roots in the Caribbean roots, uh, you know, in Asia as well, Southeast, all over the place, like his story and just kind of the background, just sitting down talking to him about anything except for basketball, I would love. still. he still hasn't come on the show. So if the next time you talk, I'll be like, Hey, you know, Bosco's boys, isn't bad. They have some fun stuff to talk about. So uh, but no, I, I would love to be a fly on the wall of those two conversations, or even you and Jerome having a conversation. I want as much
0: Jerome Tang content and words in my ears I can get. No, he is the absolute best. Obviously, you know, as somebody who sort of mildly supports Baylor basketball, like it, it's, he is, he was a big loss, but I was so excited to see him finally get his opportunity. And, uh, you know, obviously they got a heck of a coaching for you there, but no, I mean, and he would—he would definitely, in terms of basketball coaches, be be up there. Like him and Scott Drew and me going in a car, I, I, that would be a fun experience. And the other thing too, because like, again, you know. With, with Dana, like, you're just getting heavy into the Red Bull. You're getting heavy into, like, you're having a drink at every stop. Like, they'd just be, like, a fun, like, casual time. Like, they'd just be hanging out. They'd be chilling. I'm sure Scott Drew would be happy to drive at four in the morning whenever I don't want to because he'll still have energy somehow. That that would be a, a fun as hell road trip. Definitely. Well,
1: I I kept you much longer than I anticipated, but I always have a fun time talking with you. As always, uh, plug anything you want, or also just tell the Boneheads, the fans of this show, anything you would like to, uh, and then we'll call it a day.
0: Yeah. So I just put out a story this week over at Cbsports.com where I basically talked to the four new programs joining the Big 12, and I wanted to know, what does it actually mean to be Power 5 in 2023? Like, you know, we, we hear so much about like they're switching conferences and everybody knows about the payout, but what does it actually mean in terms of what you're able to do and what you're trying to do? So got a ton of great insight over there at CBSports.com. But uh, otherwise, you can always find all my work at com. Check out my podcast, The College Football Survivor Show. We talk about the playoff every single week, but in a way that is very distinct from the way that other people talk about the playoff. And uh, you can find all my work also uh, on my Twitter account at Shahanjayaraja.
1: Perfect. Maybe this is the year
0: K-State can kind of break into the, uh,
1: survivor, uh, pod, uh, and Hey, whenever it does, I will make sure you see more traffic on that episode from the state of Kansas than you guys ever have. So, uh, that's all we have again. I hope everyone had a great holiday weekend. I hope you guys are listening to this on Tuesday because you don't need to be listening to a uh, college football podcast on your holiday. Uh, welcome to summer it's the worst month of them all but we're less than 100 days away from college football so from our favorite big j for my dog chauncey who behaved himself and didn't bark during this podcast we love you guys and go cats
0: hail to the purple hail to the white wild cat in spirit see onward forever hail victory fight uk state wildcats for alma mater fights glory in the combat for the purple and the white faithful to our colors We will ever be A-fighting, ever fighting For a Wildcat victory Fight, 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 fight UK State Wildcats For Alma Mater (laughs) ba da 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 Network.